Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 148. In our passages today, we'll see a number of different stories about what we might even call storms of life, sometimes self-inflicted, sometimes not. And yet we see in these storms of life, there's a calming that comes when we turn to God and we hear his voice. And in our passages today, we'll see a number of examples of that, that hopefully will encourage all of our hearts to see that in the storms of our lives, we can hear God's words and know that his words are words that calm the storm. So let's begin today in 2 Chronicles chapter 22 and 23. The residents of Jerusalem made his youngest son Ahaziah king in his place, for the raiding party that invaded the camp with the Arabs had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, became king of Judah. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned for one year in Jerusalem. His mother was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He followed in the footsteps of Ahab's dynasty, for his mother gave him evil advice. He did evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab's dynasty, because, after his father's death, they gave him advice that led to his destruction. He followed their advice and joined Ahab's son, King Joram of Israel, in battle against King Hazael of Syria at Ramoth-Gilead, in which the Syrians defeated Joram. Joram returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds he received from the Syrians in Ramah when he fought against King Hazael of Syria. Ahaziah, king of, son of King Joram of Judah, went down to visit Joram, son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he had been wounded. God brought about Ahaziah's downfall through his visit to Joram. When Ahaziah arrived, he went out with Joram to meet Jehu, son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had commissioned to wipe out Ahab's family. While Jehu was dishing out punishment to Ahab's family, he discovered the officials of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's relatives who were serving Ahaziah and killed them. He looked for Ahaziah, who was captured while hiding in Samaria. They brought him to Jehu and then executed him. They did give him a burial, for they reasoned, He is a son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his art. There was no one in Ahaziah's family strong enough to rule in his place. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she was determined to destroy the entire royal line of Judah. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's son Joash and stole him away from the rest of the royal descendants who were to be executed. She hid him and his nurse in the room where the bed covers were stored. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Joram, wife of Jehoiada, the priest and sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah, so she could not execute him. He remained in hiding in God's temple for six years while Athaliah was ruling over the land. In the seventh year of Jehoiada, Jehoiada made a bold move. He made a pact with the officers of the units of a hundreds. Azariah, son of Jehoram, Ishmael, son of Jehoiakim, Azariah, son of Obed, Masai, son of Adiah, and Elishaphat, son of Zikri. They traveled throughout Judah and assembled the Levites from all the cities of Judah, as well as the Israelite family leaders. They came to Jerusalem, and the whole assembly made a covenant with the king in the temple of God. Jehoiada said to them, 
The king's son will rule, just as the Lord promised David's descendants. This is what you must do. One third of you priests and Levites who are on duty during the Sabbath will guard the doors. Another third of you will be stationed at the royal palace and still another third at the foundation gate. All the others will stand in the courtyards of the Lord's temple. No one must enter the Lord's temple except the priests and Levites who are on duty. They may enter because they are ceremonially pure. All others should carry out their assigned service to the Lord. The Levites must surround the king. Each of you must hold his weapon in his hand. Whoever tries to enter the temple must be killed. You must accompany the king wherever he goes. The Levites and all the men of Judah did just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. Each of them took his men, those who were on duty on the Sabbath, as well as those who were off duty on the Sabbath. Jehoiada the priest did not release his divisions from their duties. Jehoiada the priest gave to the officers of units of hundreds King David's spears and shields that were kept in God's temple. He placed the men at their posts, each holding his weapon in his hand. They lined up from the south side of the temple to the north side and stood near the altar in the temple, surrounding the king. Jehoiada and his sons led out the king's son and placed him, placed on him the crown and the royal insignia. They proclaimed him king and poured olive oil on his head. They declared, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the royal guard shouting and praising the king, she joined the crowd at the Lord's temple. Then she saw the king standing by his pillar at the entrance. The officers and the trumpeters stood beside the king and all the people of the land were celebrating and blowing trumpets and the musicians with various instruments were leading the celebrations. Athaliah tore her clothes and yelled, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada the priest sent out officers of the units of hundreds who were in charge of the army and ordered them, Bring her outside the temple to the guards. Put the sword to anyone who follows her. The priest gave this order because he had decided she should not be executed in the Lord's temple. They seized her and took her out into the precincts of the royal palace through the horseman's entrance. There they executed her. Jehoiada then drew up a covenant stipulating that he, all the people, and all the king and the king should be loyal to the Lord. All the people went and demolished the temple of Baal. They smashed its altars and idols. They killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Jehoiada then assigned the duties of the Lord's temple to the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned to the Lord's temple. They were responsible for offering burnt offer sacrifices to the Lord with joy and music, according to the law of Moses and the edict of David. He posted guards at the gates of the Lord's temple, so no one who was ceremonially unclean would in any way enter. He summoned the officers of the units of a hundreds, the nobles and the rulers of the people and all the people of the land, and then they led the king down from the Lord's temple. They entered the royal palace through the upper gate and seated the king on the royal throne. All the people of the land celebrated, for the city had rest now that they had killed Athaliah. And that ends our passages from Second Chronicles, and now we're going to move to Second Kings, which has a parallel account uh, of this same event uh, with a little bit of differences, but uh, we're going to read from Second Kings 11. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she was determined to destroy the entire royal line. So Jehoshabiah, the daughter of King Joram and sister of Ahaziah, took Ahaziah's son Joash and stole him away from the rest of the royal descendants who were to be executed. She hid him and his nurse in the room where the bed covers were stored. So he was hidden from Athaliah and escaped execution. He hid out with his nurse in the Lord's temple for six years while Athaliah was ruling over the land. In the seventh year, Jehoiada summoned the officers of the units of hundreds of the Carians and of the royal bodyguard. He met with them in the Lord's temple. He made an agreement with them and made them swear an oath of allegiance in the Lord's temple. 
Then he showed them the king's son. He ordered them, saying, This is what you must do. One-third of the unit that is on guard duty during Sabbath will guard the royal palace. Another third of you will be stationed at the fountain gate, foundation gate. Still another third of you will be stationed at the gate beyond the royal guard. I will t- you will take turns guarding the palace. The two units who are off duty on the Sabbath will guard the Lord's temple and protect the king. You must surround the king. Each of you must hold his weapon in his hand. Whoever approaches your ranks must be killed. You must accompany the king wherever he goes. The officers of the units of hundreds did just as Joyada the priest ordered. Each of them took his men, those who were on duty during the Sabbath as well as those who were off duty on the Sabbath, and reported to Jehoiada the priest. The priest gave to the officers of the units of hundreds King David's spears and shields that were kept in the Lord's temple. The royal bodyguard took their stations, each holding his weapon in his hand. They lined up from the south side of the temple to the north side and stood near the altar and the temple surrounding the king. Jehoiada led out the king's son and placed the crown and the royal insignia on him. They pronounced him king and poured olive oil on his head. They clapped their hands and cried out, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the royal guard shout, she joined the crowd at the Lord's temple. Then she saw the king standing by the pillar, according to the custom. The officers stood beside the king with their trumpets, and all the people of the land were celebrating and blowing trumpets. Athaliah tore her clothes and screamed, Treason! Treason! Jehoiada the priest ordered the officers of the units of hundreds who were in charge of the army, Bring her outside the temple to the guards, put her to death by the sword, and anyone who follows her. The priest gave this order because he decided she should not be executed in the Lord's temple. They seized her and took her into the precincts of the royal palace through the horse's entrance. There she was executed. Jehoiada then drew up a covenant between the Lord and the people, and the king and the people, stipulating that they should be loyal to the Lord. All the people of the land went and demolished the temple of Baal. They smashed its altars and idols to bits. They killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altar. Jehoiada the priest then placed guards at the Lord's temple. He took the officers of the units of a hundreds, the Carians, the royal bodyguard, and all the people of the land, and together the king led, they led the king down from the Lord's temple. They entered the royal palace through the gate of the royal bodyguard, and the king sat down on the royal throne. All the people of the land celebrated, for the city now had rest, that they had killed Athaliah with the sword in the royal palace. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. And so we see the storms of uh, people being killed, uh, whole family members of the royal family being tried to be wiped out by Athaliah, and yet God preserving one of them through the the heroic work of this woman and the priest that, that held on to him and hid him for six years. And then the wonderful way that listening to God and following his plans led to renewal and to the people being restored. And now we'll read from Psalm 131, which is a very short psalm, but a psalm which expresses the desire to keep trusting God even in the midst of the storm. So Psalm 131. A Song of Ascents by David. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor do I have a haughty look. I do not have great aspirations or concern myself with things that are beyond me. Indeed, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with his mother. I am content like a young child. O Israel, hope in the Lord now and forevermore. There's David, in a sense, telling his heart to stay calm, to not give in to fear, 
and to trust God, the God who loves him and cares for him and who promises to calm his heart in the midst of the storm. And that leads us to our final passage today from Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, we read of Jesus doing many miracles and also, as we'll see, calming a literal storm as a sign of his power to calm the storms in our lives too. So Matthew chapter 8. After Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper approached and bowed low before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, See that you do not speak to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and bring the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible anguish. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Instead, just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, I tell you the truth, I have not found such faith in anyone in Israel. I tell you, many will come from the east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, just as you believed, it will be done for you. And the servant was healed at that very hour. Now when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying down, sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve them. When it was evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. In this way, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah was fulfilled. He took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Now, when Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave orders to, the, to go to the other side of the lake. Then an expert in the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have dens and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. As he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and a great storm developed on the sea so that the waves began to swamp the boat. But Jesus was asleep. So they came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are about to die. But he said to them, Why are you cowardly, you people of little faith? Then Jesus got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it was dead calm. And the men were amazed and said, What sort of person is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. And when Jesus came to the other side, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were extremely violent so that no one was able to pass by that way. They cried out, Son of God, leave us alone. Have you come here to torment us before the time? A large herd of pigs was feeding some distance from them. Then the demons begged him, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the slope into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen ran off, went into town, and told everything that had happened 
to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. And we'll leave it there again for today. But I hope as you see these different stories, uh, people experiencing terrible sickness, uh, demon possession, storms of life, and Jesus casts them out. He heals them. He, he calms the literal storm. And over and over again, it just strikes me too that when we face the most painful and difficult times of life, to know that there's someone who has the power and the care and the love to do something for us and to save us and to rescue us and to care for us and to provide for us, it provides us with an ability to rest, an ability to trust that Jesus ultimately is the one who can calm the storms of our lives, no matter what our circumstances are. He has the power to do it. He's proven his power and his love. And that gives us the realization that we can truly trust in him. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-